1: well, I mean, it, you have to, to look at it realistically. You know, ACLs. I had an ACL in college, and I missed a whole season. And, uh, generally, an ACL for a basketball player is a, a full year recovery. And if it's a full year for Clay, that puts him out for the season. You know, we've kind of left the door open um, in case the rehab goes perfectly, and and the doctors say he can he can go. But you know, the reality is, on April first. Um, That's the nine-month mark. He got his surgery on July 1st. April 1st is nine months post-op for an ACL. Uh, It's unlikely that he's going to play this year. We're
2: going to bring you on to our huddle.
1: You are in. Laurie Settle with me, Bram. With me per usual, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, we got big things today. We've got a doctor coming in. We've got Connor coming in. We've got a new beat writer coming in. So we want to get straight to it before we do real fast question. Maxime, you all right, man? You holding up? That 25% that you got last week that we found out that you only had 25% right, I'm going to tell you, I was really worried about you when we left the pod. So everything's fine. No suicide attempts. You, You made it through the night uh no comment on the suicide (laughs) attempts my favorite moment in a sea of favorite moments uh, during last week's pod is when Matty Stats had beaten you down to the point where you accepted somebody else's terrible prediction and guessed (laughs) that it was yours it was awful it was what it was Uh, enough wasting time let's give our resident sports medicine specialist and doctor a call and get some updates on clay and whether or not they should bring him back it is my pleasure to announce that rejoining us is an orthopedic physician and surgeon, a sports medicine specialist who provides comprehensive care for all injuries, including those to the Achilles, and by far the best educated and most qualified guest I've had the opportunity to interview, Dr. Kyle F. Chun. What's going on, doctor?
2: Nothing much. My weather's better than yours as normal.
1: (laughs) Thanks, man. So is your technological skills. Let the record reflect. I set this up. The doctor doesn't have that much time. It's remarkably nice for him to give us even a second of his professional day. And then when I try to call him, I screw up the call like three times in a row. So doc, how unimpressed are you as we sit here right now, like on a scale of one to 10 at like a 50 as far as how terrible I am technologically?
2: No, I mean, you, you run a podcast, so that's beyond any of my um, capabilities, so I think that gets you a lot of brownie points, so I think that brings you back to neutral.
1: All, right. All I am is lucky that Maxime and Marcus are not here to explain to you that it's just magic that it actually goes, I have no idea how the hell my words appear online, that it's somebody else, but let's speed right past this, um, because we desperately need your medical opinion. Uh, we were just rocked by some, and I don't want to say panicking news, we'll call it interesting news. Uh, we entered this offseason, all of us, Warrior fans thinking that Clay was going to be back probably after the All-Star break. We knew that he, he suffered the ACL tear, but we knew also that he's like Wolverine and generally speaking beats best estimates as far as getting back on the floor. But this week during an interview, Coach Kerr threw some cold water on that. And what he said was, quote, it's unlikely that he's going to play this year. So we have to understand that. I have dealt with that doctor by basically freaking the fuck out, uh, if you'll forgive my language, so we need your calm insight to uh, bring us back to baseline. So let me start here and hopefully develop a little baseline optimism. Um, based on your experience, treating athletes, treating this injury, is it possible to come back 100% to your prior condition from a torn ACL?
2: Yeah, I think in general, um, you know, we you know, these guys have access to the best surgeons in the business and um, you know, like you said Wolverine-ish, um, you know that um Clay Thompson is, you know, I, I would not expect him to um return less than 100% um you know a lot of the studies that have been done on the return to play after ACLs when you're looking at people that have not returned to their previous level of play a lot of times they attribute that to more psychological reasons and meaning the athlete is more worried about getting injured as opposed to the actual physicality itself um you know i think the the more the nuances of what he's going to go through are probably more dependent on uh, other injuries that were present in the knee in addition to the ACL, because okay. that's really kind of what dictates, um, you know, duration of recovery, uh, pre- predictability of their recovery, you know, ongoing issues that they may have with the knee in the future, you know, whether or not they had uh, injuries to the cartilage, injuries to the meniscal tissue, or uh, other ligaments that were injured at the same time. This is an isolated ACL, and somebody like him with the access to the um, You know, medical facilities and um, services that he has, I would not expect him to come back at less than 100%. I think ACLs nowadays are fully recoverable injuries that can bring people back uh, to the point that they were at before.
1: Okay, so Clay will be Clay. It's just a matter of Clay will be Clay. There you go. Um, Whether or when he can actually get the hill back on the court. Let's go back to just generally speaking generally speaking timeline on these guys what's a worst case best case scenario for someone to come back from a a torn acl and let's start that timeline after the surgery
2: yeah so um surgery was july early july yeah so i mean if you kind of march that out and the you know the line i like to use with a lot of um, my patients you know i'm not treating um you know um professional athletes on a regular basis like you know these guys that are taking care of uh, clay thompson are and so i you know the, the analogy i always use is somebody like adrian peterson you know so adrian peterson went and had his acl done and came back um just after six months and you know almost broke the rushing record with that but that you're talking about adrian peterson who is a freak of nature who um has essentially all day long every single day to recover from this excuse me, and the reason I use that analogy is I'm trying to explain to my patients, hey, look, you're looking at six months in the best case scenario with nothing else going on if you're Adrian Peterson and so when you march that out from july that puts him somewhere around the all star break which is somewhere 7 months around there yeah. and if he had anything else going on like if he had needed a meniscus repaired or if he had some cartilage stuff that needed to be taken care of you know that's pushing your rehab back minimum 6 weeks 8 weeks 12 weeks depending on what kind of repair had to be done and you know to to anticipate somebody to return back to nba level play at 6 or 7 months after an acl i think is um it's possible but i i don't think it's beyond the realm of uh reason to you know think that hey maybe this maybe he shouldn't come back this year because if he has any like i said any other injuries that need to be addressed but even just muscular atrophy that hasn't caught up um by that point um you know all of those kind of things can you know uh, set him up to be re-injured again and that's the ultimate thing you want to avoid is you don't want to re-tear you don't want other injuries to occur and the times that they do occur when people are under rehabilitated and so i've you know i've had patients go back to their previous level at six months seven months i've had people take a year and it it depends on what else they got going on there
1: You kind of transitioned into the very question I wanted to ask you. Help me realize the virtue of patience. I mean, you can imagine, you know, fans is short for fanatics, man. We lose our mind. And right now we're all losing our minds and we want to see Clay back. Talk to us about the other side. What are the advantages of waiting longer, right? Or put differently, what are some of the risks if we allowed Clay to come back too early?
2: Yeah, I think I'll address the risk first. I think the risk of allowing somebody, you know, at least from a surgical perspective with my patients, my risk of cutting them loose early is that I get a retail. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the thing that I think about the most with an ACL is, you know am i going to get a meniscus tear in this guy or am i going to get a you know re-injury to his ACL if sure. i let him go back because he doesn't have the you know reaction time he doesn't have the muscular uh, tone and uh strength to kind of stabilize his knee you know we go in there and reconstruct these ligaments and objectively you know we do a good job putting the nuts and bolts together but there's so much dynamic stability that goes into the knee that's controlled by their neuro- the the athlete's neurologic system to you know fire the muscles at an appropriate time as well as the muscles ability to stabilize the limb and so in those situations where <clears throat> you know um you know you're trying to cut this guy you get this guy back as soon as possible you know, sometimes you you find yourself going like, oh, I don't know if I'm like fully confident with this because you look at his muscle and you're like, ah, oh, he's close, but he's not fully there. You put him through the battery of tests and, you know, you know, check the boxes off, you know, can he do this, that, and the other. And even then when he kind of, you know, checks all the boxes off, you're still holding your breath a little bit, especially in a guy like him. Yeah. I, You know, and then to address your second point of whether or not, you know, there are some downsides of holding him out longer. And in regards to me with somebody like him, I would be more than happy to hold him out longer. Like, you know, the longer I can hold him out and the longer that I can rehab him, the happier I am as a surgeon.
1: Yeah, why? I mean, I think I can imagine that, but explain it for us. Is it literally just there's no such thing as too much rest?
2: Um. Yeah, I think that's the certain degree of it. You know, the more rest you can give him, but the more time you have him to just slowly get in the water as opposed to just jump in at 6 yeah. months you know 7 months i mean you know it there's a huge amount of neuromuscular control that goes into playing his sport you know i mean to be able to stop pivot cut um land safely and to play at the level that he's to play at to not get hurt i mean i think is is extreme you know it's much different than you know a lot of my even just my high school athletes you know who aren't necessarily playing at that level they play at a high level but not at that sort of level, and you're dealing with a guy whose livelihood depends on his knee. Sure. And so I think, um, yeah, I think in general more rest is better than less, and um, more time to get him just completely tuned up and firing on all cylinders before you you know, uh, open him up to the wolves, you know.
1: Take us through those cylinders. So what happens, right? You, you attribute a certain amount of time. Let's say he's out for nine months, six months, some time that, that we wanted to have passed. That amount of time passes. What's the final boxes you want checked? What do you look for in one of your patients after they've had enough rest time before you give them the final clearance to get back out there on the floor?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a lot of work that's kind of gone into this on when an athlete is quote-unquote clear to return, you know, and they have these return-to-sport protocols and, you know, uh, training systems that have been developed to determine, okay, you know, in this athlete with this sort of, uh, you know, surgery and this graft or whatever has been used, you know, when are they going to be ready? And most of those things center around symmetry to the uninjured limb. And so do you have, you know, greater than 90 or 95% of the muscular girth in that limb Compared to the other side is your ability to do certain uh, maneuvers like you know a single leg hop or um, you know hopping for time or distance or strength is that similar within you know 90 or 95 percent of the other limb hmm. you know can you land with um you know symmetry in both legs can you land without your knees deviating inwards or outwards can you do these sort of things on a repetitive basis and is that objective and can we see it um and and those are the boxes you check off but really you don't know until that guy jumps in and plays right you know right. and so what do i anticipate for him even if you know if you know, the coach isn't going to let him come back, I mean, you know, be, and play in real time, but I'm sure he's practicing. You know, he's practicing in a closed gym and he's yep. playing, he's getting reps because really there's no substitute. To um, train an athlete, other than put him in a game time situation, um, you know, there can be exhaustive physical therapy and weight room, and you know, seeing his doctor every day and all this sort of stuff. But nothing's going to train him to get that until he starts playing. And so a lot of that's going to happen at that point, And that's kind of the final checkbox is how does he perform on the court with his peers in a simulated game
1: how much do you trust the athlete? And and obviously loaded question, hard to answer. I mean, it would depend on each given patient, but I would imagine these guys are super motivated to get back, and because of that, a little motivated not to give you real subjective symptoms. They might tell you, look, I feel fine, when they actually don't. When you are doing this, I mean, you've been doing it for decades, how much do you have to use kind of your own bullshit detector, you know, when when you're listening to Uh. their complaints?
2: Yeah, so I think it's different. You know, somebody like Clay Thompson, I think, is a lot different than let's say, you know, one of my, let's say, I got a, <laughs> let's say, I got a junior, or senior in high school that's yeah. trying to, you know, that has a um, scout coming to one of his games. Sure. You know, that kid does not care what what's going on in his knee right. because he thinks that he can get out there and show that scout what he's going to do, and that ki- and I'm going to think about that when him and his parents are trying to lean on me to let him go play uh, in the slot of on course. Friday night's yeah. game versus somebody like Thompson where I think I would hope at least that he has a little bit more insight to say hey look this is my livelihood I don't want to go back unless I am ready and I think it's a different story where you got him you know you're you're thinking the earliest you can get him back is at the all-star break versus in the beginning of the season versus in the playoffs right you know and I think that you know I think that would color your um you know for lack of a better term your bs detector you know yeah. to try to figure out what is this guy's angle you know because I think somebody like him knows what his lot is, he knows what his value is, and he know, understands that, hey, this is my body, this is my livelihood, I don't want this to, st-, you know, because he renders the, his ACL, he's out for another year, yep. you know, and so I think he understands that, and so I think when I'm dealing, if I'm dealing with somebody like him, I'm believing what he's saying, sure. you know, for the most part, because I think that he honestly does have his, um, you know, best interest at mine versus somebody who's trying to get in the door. You know, yeah. Thompson's already in the door <laughs> at the table, sitting down ready for exactly dinner, you know, right. like there's yeah. other right. guys knock, knocking, trying to get in on, on the wait list, you know?
1: No, I love that. I mean, what you are doing is recognizing that he is a professional who understands his career is at stake as opposed to somebody Correct. who needs a single game to jumpstart that career and would do anything they you know, anything they needed to do to do well in it. Um, oh, Correct. that's interesting stuff. Doctor, I appreciate you, man. Um, I really, thank you so much. I I know this was last minute i know i kept you waiting longer than uh than we originally promised so get back to enjoying your demonstrably better weather than we have here in california i'll go back to learning how to make a skype call and uh, we'll talk to you real soon
2: all right brother call me anytime
1: (laughs) thanks man appreciate it take care Love Dr. Chun, always love Dr. Chun. He was the man today. Always makes me feel a little undereducated, but that is what it is. I don't want to pause us. Instead, let's go ahead and shoot to our next section. Welcome in our new B Rider as well as Connor. It is my great pleasure to re-welcome back into the huddle the Golden State B-Rider for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who covers every Warriors practice, press conference, shoot around and game, and a guy who's starting to become familiar with the horror that is the commute from San Francisco to Oakland and vice versa, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you don't seem like you're too beaten down, man. You're okay? The uh, Having to travel out to Chase Center is agreeing with you?
3: No, no, it's it's been fun. I'm still kind of riding the the good vibes from the beginning of the season. You know, I'm still feeling that freshness for my 8-week furlough, but no, it's uh it's been fun. I you can't West can't really relate cuz he didn't get the break that I got. Yeah, that's exactly
1: know. right. Thanks for introducing somebody who hasn't yet been <laughs> introduced, man. I mean, also <laughs> thanks for making it seem like the commute is nothing. I hope that your freshness from this season runs out before the end of this podcast. <laughs> With no further ado, let's get him onto the mic. It is my pleasure to announce joining us for the first time the San Jose Merck and East Bay Times Warriors Specialist, the host of the Locked On NBA podcast, and someone who will undoubtedly be surprised at just how informal and aggressive this show is, (laughs) Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? Thanks for having me. Of course, man, thanks for coming. Um, uh, what do you think about Connor's initial shot there at you before we had even introduced you he seems like it was, wasn't a shot it felt like a shot it felt like a shot to <laughs> no, me but let's ask like, Wes was, himself
4: he was stealing my thunder there I was About my, my answer to your question you asked him was going to be I live 10 minutes down the street from the new Chase Center and so it was, it's a great commute for me I have no problem with it he's like very energetic right now but within like four days, he'll probably be miserable about it.
3: Yeah.
1: I felt exhausted through that answer. At first, I really liked that we were taking, like, group shots at Connor, and then I found out that you don't have a commute at all, and yeah. now I kind of dislike you. just US. happened to move to San Francisco right before he got the job. which Yeah,
4: it was just coincidence. I might just get a Vespa. I might be one of those guys. <laughs> that just, like... You should get That's a scooter like this that. guy.
1: <laughs> you don't need to throw anybody under the bus about whether or not I own an electric scooter. and I,
3: I, I need to say one thing about that, though? I'm working on a story on house hunting in San Francisco, and I talked to Kevon Looney yesterday. And he said, Plug. I will never, ever ride a scooter like i will wait in as much traffic as humanly possible before i ride a scooter and i thought of you
1: i don't know why i have no idea why you thought of me i do have a random totally unrelated message for Kavan looney if you want to have the time of your life ride on one of those scooters because then i wouldn't know anything about it also if you want to be hated unlike anyone who's ever been hated ride one of those scooters but i digress gentlemen Lots of Warrior stuff to talk about, but before we can get into it, we got to get to know the new kid. Wes, Mm -hmm. we have a series of questions we like to ask all the new reporters as they come in. Um, Your reputation procedure you. You don't know this, but Connor has actually said a lot of nice things about you off the mic before you came in, so we want to test some of them. Um, Let me start this one. This isn't one of the nice ones he says, but where are you from, man?
4: I am from South Florida. That's a very generic term. I don't know how. I, I don't know if your listeners know South Florida. I tell people Miami if they know where Miami is. I tell them Fort Lauderdale, and if they know where Fort Lauderdale is, I tell them Coral Springs, Florida. There you go. Shout out nine five
1: four. Did you grow up a Heat fan? What What was your favorite I grew team? Up a heat fan. Huh.
4: I grew up a. Uh, I grew up a Heat fan, a Dolphins fan, and a Marlins fan. I boycotted the Marlins because screw them. Uh, I <laughs> unfortunately suffered through the Dolphins my entire life, but they haven't been good in thirty years. And then he were the only good team growing up, so uh, naturally went towards basketball.
1: Does that still, so a lot of the beat writers will, I say lie to us, they will say tell us that the second they start working in the profession, they become completely neutral. They're no longer rooting for anybody. They yeah. don't care who wins, who losses. Same for you? No. That a boy, Wes. Not at all. Yeah. Um, You're the first beat writer I ever, ever heard said.
4: No, I openly <laughs> still cheer for the Miami Heat. I was watching them while I was waiting outside. Um, they didn't have Jimmy Butler tonight, and I'm very excited about
1: it. Personal reasons, right?
4: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> got a hero, though. yeah, Tyler Hero. Yeah, Tyler Hero is going to be the man. Uh, Dwayne Wade yeah. was my icon hero growing up. You know, I want to be just like him in everything I do, including beat writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Dolphins still make me miserable.
1: I'm it's, trying to think how somebody beat rights like Dwayne Wade. And just so that you know, when I said personal reasons, that's why Butler is missing the game tonight, not why you're right. watching. Okay, just want right, to make right, sure there yeah. wasn't like a weird miscommunication there. The personal through. reasons for
4: Butler missing the game and for me being on this podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Exactly right. Um, how does that work? So if it is a Warriors Miami game, do I'm you. I'm rooting for the. <laughs> throughout yeah. the entire time. I'm putting it out there right now.
4: <laughs> they play, uh, I think it's November. 29th? 28th? Yeah, it's, it was it's, 29th? it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'll be cheering for the heat Let day. me be
1: equally as honest. Go f*** yourself. West. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that. Like, totally, yeah. Noted. <laughs> Who is the most intimidating person you've ever interviewed or worked with? Oh,
4: interesting. Worked with Connor. Just kidding. <laughs> um, interviewed. Giannis once told me to sit just no once when I asked him if I could ask him a question. <laughs> And I loved it. I was so after that, I was all in on Giannis. You should I never was, ask someone if you can ask them a okay. question. Okay, so I went up to Giannis before a game, you and I was like, him. "Hey, man, you got a minute?" And he goes, "No." And I was like, "Sick. Uh, have a good game." And then he's he had this worst game of the season against the Miami Heat. I was in Miami when it happened, so that's what you get, Giannis. It was just
1: basically a perfect storm of fantastic activities for but you. That's also yeah. kind <laughs>
3: of baller that you would just go up to Giannis and ask him that because most people would would never talk to him unless it was like a, a, a you know a, a pre scheduled interview
4: right <laughs> also the, the the I think I got lucky because in in American Airlines arena what it used to be called the heat, where the heat play the visiting locker room is basically as big as the space that we are sitting in right now uh, Humongous. So, which exact? With, yeah, no. It, I think we're on the fifty-first floor. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah uh, long elevator ride up here. This is the suite. Fancy one though. Big. Yeah, yeah. Fancy building. Um, <laughs> undisclosed location. But uh, no, it's a small room, <laughs> and uh, nobody was around. There was like not enough room in the room. For the PR staff there. So it was just Giannis with his legs stretched out, and like he was sitting on one wall, and his feet were basically touching the other wall. (laughs) And that's when I went up to him and he just- Do you think the, the Giannis shutdown.
5: will remember you when he joins the Warriors and you have to ask him for more questions? Yeah, and he'll probably just be
4: like, no. Yeah, nice. do,
1: you, do you know how much I love the visual? I mean, it almost sounds like a movie scene. Small room, almost nobody's in it. One person comes in and spends one second saying, do you have time to speak? They say, no. He's like, no problem. Leave immediately. Yes. Yeah. I, just I, I, didn't I turn around, around and walk out of here. Like, yeah. I was like,
4: yeah, great interview with Giannis.
1: Yeah. Me I, neither, New Giannis. I gotta, I gotta leave. leave. I like, that makes two of us. Yeah, exactly right. And I hope you get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. here (laughs) Here's our final question. It is not only our most important, but it is a two-parter. If I tell you something that you do not find funny, are you willing to fake laugh? And if you are, how is your fake laughing skills?
4: I am willing to fake laugh. Most of the time, I am fake laughing. And uh, my fake laugh is
1: Terrible. And uh, you will know it
4: right away. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Okay,
1: yeah. we're going to have to work on that. I, I mean, I'm really fired up to have you on. Phenomenal kind of entrance interview here. Except for that last part. we got to work on the fake laugh. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's kind of part and partial. I'm a bad liar.
4: <laughs> In
1: general. Yeah, well, we will work on that as well. Um, gentlemen, let's turn to my... I, I don't think I am... Stepping out of uh, Turner to say my favorite segment is the Off the Court Report. Concept is simple. If you like basketball enough to listen to this show, you watch every game. You know what the hell happens in between the lines. But these gentlemen know what happens off the court. They follow this team, practice, shoot arounds, everything. They are around them all the time. So here we take advantage of that. Uh, what we do for the Off the Court Report is ask them for any stories they have. I shut up and give them the mic. The only other setup I'll give you is that I'm really excited for this one because of this fact on Tuesday, October 15th, at 2.39 a.m. I got this text from Connor, quote, have a great off-the-court report. No punctuation, no explanation, nothing. I've been looking forward to it until now. Boys, what do we got? Well,
3: can I can I do two? Can we do two? You can do eight, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Are you starting with? So the first one, part of the reason why I wanted Wes to come on, this, on the podcast was because I wanted, because Wes is involved in this story. Uh, so it was, most of our off-the-court reports involve the actual Warriors. This has nothing to do with the Warriors. Oh, good. This is just, this is just.
1: Uh, this is the nothing to do with the Warriors huddle. So The beat writer.
3: <laughs> uh, so after one of the games in LA, we were staying in the same hotel and we were just in the lobby of the hotel eating Taco Bell from DoorDash. That's right. With a friend of mine.
4: Yeah, you're also about 37 Pringles deep at that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good specificity.
3: <laughs> and uh, and we're, we're just talking, and I, I, I look to my left, and I see this short black guy, and I'm like, wait, is that Floyd Mayweather? And it was Floyd Mayweather, mm-hmm. but it was under interesting... Circumstances, we'll just say.
1: Do we know how many Pringles he had eaten that evening? <laughs>
3: so it's two thirty in the morning. We're at a Courtyard Marriott. He can afford several. Things. We're at a we're at a Courtyard Marriott. We all know Floyd Money Mayweather has a lot of money. We're at a Courtyard Marriott in downtown LA. Two thirty in the morning. He's slash with like end. he's with <laughs> slash residence. It's end. like the Taco Bell. He's KFG with. Of Hotel he's Canada. with. So he's got a hat on, and, he, and he's obviously trying. He's obviously trying to you know not make it obvious who he is uh and it's him and i'll just say a a woman of the a a woman of the night she's a werewolf Uh, (laughs) a uh
1: prostitute
4: yes that's what they're
1: called (laughs) (laughs) I like how you said that slowly, as if that was going to be another nickname for a prostitute. No, you just said the word prostitute. Some would call them prostitutes. Yeah, some would call them that. Or women of the night, as or we so inartfully ran around it earlier. Or werewolf, which is a term I hadn't heard.
3: Um, but yeah, and in, in I, in my stupid state, just you're said, hey, are, sure. you're, you're you're Floyd Mayweather, right? Yep. I was that stupid white. Idiot. It was just like you're Floyd Mayweather, right? And he just looks at me and 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 just kind of ignores me. Completely uh ignored you.
4: Yes, you did not exist. Now.
3: Yes, and white it, space. And our the friend I'm with, she's like, oh, I saw him like 40 minutes earlier. I was like, why did you not mention that? Like that would have been something that would have yep been worth
1: mentioning, right? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Let me go ahead and say, just so I can stop sweating profusely and expecting a lawsuit in my mail, we have no idea that woman was a woman of the night, nor do we know her profession. And I'm going to yeah. go ahead and add the word "allegedly" in front of everything we've said. But with that in tow, amazing story. I mean, so then a, a
3: couple of days later, I I was riding in the lobby, right. and who shows up Floyd Mayweather but it's like middle of the day and he's with his whole crew so apparently Floyd Mayweather just hangs out at Courtyard Marriott's (laughs) which
4: is incredibly you gotta get them points I mean they're really it's a good point system that they have shout out to Marriott Convoy
3: but so the other story was
0: (laughs) well hold on real quick did you consider asking I'm just throwing this out there as somebody that has heard that this works asking Floyd Mayweather hey do you got a minute? <laughs> have you
1: helped? considered that? Also, was it a small enough room where that message would have reached him? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no response. Fair enough. I mean, it's but they're but they're important there questions. Happening. There, for, for the record, Connor, questions.
4: I don't I don't remember if you remember this, Connor, but you you you, you like mouthed me. Is that Floyd Mayweather? <laughs> and then I go, I look over, and I'm I'm like, no. no. <laughs> and then Connor goes, Are you Floyd Mayweather? <laughs> <laughs> you might have even said money i mean
1: having i've never met the man um, i certainly don't know him personally but from what i've learned of him i would bet the one question that would like insult him by far the most is i don't know who you are like are you in fact flame Mayweather? i cannot tell this is a guy he specializes in look at me everywhere he goes you know i think maybe next time just play the role of a groupie like ask for his autograph something like that if you could take it back would you change the interaction
3: Mm, yes, I <laughs> would very much so. Actually, my girlfriend still gives me shit over it. Like she was there, and she was like, "I cannot believe that you asked Floyd Mayweather who he was. Like if he was Floyd Mayweather, it's it's
1: embarrassing." Well, here's your moment to relive it. What would you have asked? I wouldn't have asked
3: anything. I would have just, I would have just been like that. You, What's up? How you doing? I guess that's a question. i yeah, have been really down for that conversation.
4: <laughs> yeah. Three o'clock in the morning
1: at a
5: residence inn with
3: an alleged werewolf on his arm.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, judging only by the tam or timestamp on my phone, I'm going to guess that happened at about two thirty in the morning on October fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sounds sounds about fair. You got another one for us? As many? As yeah. You have, so want.
3: the other one was um, that same trip when we were in L. A. They they practice at U. C. L. A. One day and Wes had just left. He was – he had to – I don't remember where you are going. I went to get a sandwich. You went to get a sandwich, yes. And we were, we're in, like, the lobby area of the basketball facility at UCLA. And he leaves, and I'm just writing in there. And Clay Thompson, you know, obviously he's not playing right now, but he's still around the team. He just shows up, and he, he sits down right next to me. He just starts shooting the with me about – Oh man, dude, I hate this. I hate not being able to practice. Like I just I, all I've been doing is fishing, like I'm so so in. I just bought a new boat and blah, blah blah. We're having a good conversation and then um kind of out of nowhere he gets a phone call and he answers it and he just goes, "Hey, this is Clay." And I realized that like it was a it was an Uber driver. Huh. <laughs> and he was just <laughs> getting into an Uber that he called in LA. And I'm just thinking to myself like Can you imagine being that Uber driver? Yeah,
1: no. And when he sees Clay Thompson, he's like, it can not actually be Clay. And then Clay picks it up and drops his first name when he ultimately picks it up. Um, But He probably asked him,
4: hey, are you Clay Thompson?
1: (laughs) As he came over immediately. (laughs) Where's your woman of the night, he followed up with. Um, When something like that happens... And so I'll keep it personal. Uh, We've been doing this pod for a while, but I haven't gotten used to it. We don't interview any of the players, so maybe that's why. (laughs) But if that happened to me, there would be at least a 5, 10-second fanboy reaction. I would be surprised that he came over and talked to me, and then you'd settle into it. For you, are you used to that? Clay Thompson comes and talks to you, you know, surefire all-star, three-time champion, we know his resume. Is there anything that you get nervous about, or is this just part and parcel of the job is what it is?
3: No, no. I mean, I I think when you first get on – and. you might feel this a little bit when you first get on a beat like the Warriors, especially in my circumstance. I had never covered them via at any, any level. There is a little bit of a an off factor, especially when you're talking to like a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry. You feel it. I mean, you have an awareness the fact that they are who they are, but you get over that pretty quickly. I yeah. think uh, just being around them every day, getting to know th- getting to know them on a human level. So no, I don't I don't feel that anymore. I'm in year four now on the beat. And Clay actually grew up in the same area as me. Like he almost went to my high school. If he hadn't moved to Orange County in eighth grade, uh, he would have gone to the same high school as me. We'd know some of the same people. So
1: some background. There's
3: there's a there's a familiarity there.
1: Is that true for you, Wes? How how comfortable do you I mean, I imagine you feel really comfortable just based on the Ani story, but yeah. Take us through it. I mean, do you ever feel nervous talking to any of the players? No. How about Miami? for the team that you actually root for? Does the analysis change at all?
4: The only time I was ever nervous to talk with a player was Dwayne Wade. Yeah, that was it, that was it. And, and
1: simply because he was a hero of yours or why?
4: Yeah, no, simply because I, he's the reason I like basketball in the first place. Yeah. And I actually, I went up to him the, for the first time I went up and talked to Dwayne Wade. He was injured in the game that I was covering. It was in Sacramento. And uh, I didn't know that there was an NBA rule that if a player is injured, they do not have to talk with the media. Hmm. And it's actually kind of like, you don't go up and approach them and ask them.
3: They have to talk once
4: while they're injured, only once. Only once, so, and not to me. Yes. Uh, Have you been
1: leaving awkward interactions in your wake every city that you go to? So
4: I approach Dwayne Wade and I say, hey, Dwayne, do you have a minute? And he said, no. And so this, this seems to, I don't know how I got this job, <laughs> they basically like, nobody wants to talk to me ever, um, which is a great skill as a beat reporter, so I actually never have any fanboy interactions, because nobody ever interacts with me.
1: Did you ever, have you gotten to speak to D. Wade since then? Yeah, several times, yeah, actually, it's been great, but
4: yeah. uh, he's been nothing but great with the media in general, but... Um, no, I think with with the Warriors, their their access is really good. They do provide a lot of great access mm-hmm. uh, as far as one on ones and those kinds of things. I have not been sitting at the gym in UCLA and have Clay Thompson sit next to me and just want to shoot the yep. But um, in general, you know these one on ones and stuff like that. I, I don't feel nerves at this point because Giannis and Dwayne Wade have basically shot me down at this yeah, point. Sure, and, you know you get in the face a few times. Back. Yeah, you yeah. stop ducking. Yeah. Totally, yeah, it makes yeah.
1: sense. Well, boys, let's talk Warriors. We're right at the outset of the season. In fact, less than twenty-four hours away before the uh, Warriors take the floor against the Clips at Chase Center. So, or yeah, the Clips. Uh, So we're definitely going to do some predictions. But before we do, there's been some Clay injury news. Uh, We heard from Steve Kerr, kind of surprisingly. Was it really news though? It was news it was only because it, that was news. it changed our perspective, yeah. right? Um, the, the only thing we had heard, and I don't even know if that's fair. I'll, I'll say that people's perception following the July 2nd surgery was that he'd be back right about the All-Star break. And we had heard nothing to dissuade us from that. And it was one of the reasons we've all been kind of secretly cocky that the Warriors have been underestimated, all these things. And so to hear something not only from the Warriors, but from Coach Kerr saying, hey, you know, there's a real good chance this guy's not going to be back at all came off as news, certainly changed my perspective, right? But one of the things that is helping me maintain some optimism is you, Connor. Uh, here is a tweet that I took off of your timeline. Quote, talk to a team source who said the Warriors want to, quote unquote, under promise when it comes to Clay Thompson's rehab from knee surgery. Golden State is still hopeful Thompson will come back, but it's not entering the season with the expectation that he'll save them come March. what do you mean by that?
3: I just meant that Steve saying that Clay was unlikely to come back for come back at all this season was more of a PR thing than anything else. Um it was a messaging thing. The reality of the situation is nothing has changed. Uh, there's been no setback in Clay's rehab. The 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 view on his rehab has not changed internally. The Warriors are optimistic, they're hopeful that he'll return at some point. Um, but they don't want to go into the season with all the the hype and speculation around the fact that, oh, well, they just need to get to late February, early March, and then then Clay will come back, right? Because that's been a lot of the narrative, and I think Steve has been getting more and more kind of annoyed with that line of questioning, Hmm. and I think he just wanted to put an end to that line of questioning um, because at the end of the day – it's better to have no expectation, so anything that happens is kind of gravy. And so they're still they're still optimistic that he'll return. I still, if I had to bank my life savings, which isn't a lot, on uh, on something happening, I would say that he does play this season.
4: You agree? I would say that they. He probably plays only because, and I think a lot of people think that, okay, if they're in the playoff race, they'll they'll play him, so whatever. And maybe that's true. That's probably true. That's not out. really how the Warriors operate, but I
3: do understand that line of thinking.
4: Pressure. I do think it's, if if Clay plays the season, it's because he super wants to. Mm-hmm. And it will be basically to give him a chance to get on the court, because we've already heard that he's really, really bored. I know he told you that he was really, really bored. I mean, he's fishing. I mean... And boats. he bought a boat. Yeah, he bought a boat. Like that's the ultimate. He's, I'm He's seriously fan. dating someone. You know, I, I mean, he doesn't do that. The, the, <laughs> the play <laughs> and love thing actually
1: kind of worries me for no reason. But that—that's a conversation um, we can have for a different time. But but your response there, Wes, begs this question. I think it's a good one. I hadn't thought about it at all. Who makes the call? Ultimately, at the end of the day, who is this gonna be up to? What's your guys' understanding? Will it be up to Clay? Will it be up to Kyrie Irving? Will it be up to, to the Warriors? Who ultimately gets to decide Probably when Clay Kyrie. comes back? Kyrie. <laughs> Kyrie.
3: It'll be up to Rick Solabrini. I mean, just like it was when Kevin Durant played in the finals. That that was a Rick Solabrini decision. He's the, the head trainer. He he he's um he was his first year was last year. He's famous for Not working closely color. with Steve Kerr or Steve Nash. You know, he was mm-hmm. the, a lot of people credit Steve Nash's success in his mid to late thirties to Rick Celebrini, and that's a big reason why the Warriors hired him. We all heard his name during the finals when, uh, obviously, Kevin Durant got injured, and then Clay got injured shortly thereafter. His his job was. In question publicly, not internally. Mm -hmm. Uh, He kind of came under fire. But But if you're um, Rick, he makes
4: all those decisions in terms of who plays, who doesn't. And if you're Rick, you might be a little bit more conservative with Clay considering what just happened with Durant. Sure. Whether or not it's his fault or not does not matter. And if I'm Rick, I would definitely be really. The story
3: that I I really want to do that I won't, that none of us will probably be able to do is I want to talk to Rick Celebrini and, and just ask him how he handled that whole period. But Rick is not available to media ever. Um, they there's certain staffers that just aren't ever available, and he's one of them. Is
5: that the was that always the case with Chelsea Lane too? Like, do you yeah, like I wrote a
3: feature on Chelsea Lane without ever talking to her, and oh. I've actually written two features on Rick Celebrini without ever talking to him.
1: I've talked to him, but just not on the record. I'm going to poorly paraphrase what the doctor told us a little bit earlier, and the listener will know a lot better having just listened to it. But what that doctor told us was. There's objective and subjective. Objectively, they got to wait a certain amount of time before you even consider it. That's true of every single patient everywhere. And then after they've gotten out of that objective time period, now it's all subjective, right? You let them practice a little bit talk to them about their feelings, gauge where they are within their body, and then you make the decision based on what it is they're telling them. And the interesting thing he added was doctors have to have a bull**** meter. Because some of these players are desperate to come back and might lie about what their complaints are. Some of them are a little bit more straightforward. And, you know, you can, you can actually take what they're telling you to the bank. But what he described is that ultimately it is up to the player. Um, is that, I mean, so I, I heard you guys and I heard you say, Rick, but after everything, after all of this, after Kyrie took shots at her, after KD, you know, after the whole analysis last year, it's probably pretty fair to say at the end of the day, they're going to say, Clay, it's up to you, Right. I don't. I don't think
3: that's really how they operate. I mean, they they're not gonna want to. They're not gonna be influenced just by a player's desire to play because obviously Clay is gonna. Let me play. define that
1: it, for for as long as they're saying we don't think you're capable, there's no way Clay could could say a fifty thousand times I want to play. They will never let him get within a hundred yards of the court. But after he is, you know, objectively cleared. And then you know if if Rick is confident what he's seen on the MRIs and everything else says yes, but ultimately they're going to ask him. No one's going to be able to actually say Clay, you have to go out there. It's going to be a decision. No, there's That's, a point where I mean, please, the,
4: yeah. the player has to be comfortable playing on it, and that was the problem with Derrick Rose for as long. Hmm. I mean, he was out 16 months when he In was Kawhi. coming back from it. Kawhi, the same thing. But uh, with Derrick Rose specifically, because of his ACL, like did not want to come back because he wasn't comfortable. Yeah. we don't know what Clay Thompson is going to feel. And you're right. I mean, everybody that I've talked is the same thing. Subjective at some point. Yeah, and uh, I, that's why to go back to what I said before. If he plays, I think the main reason was because he really, really wants to play. And there's going to be a point where even if they're not in the playoffs, if you're Clay Thompson, do you really want to go through an entire other summer before you get to play in a regular season game? Because we're talking about maybe coming back March, April mm-hmm. versus coming back October, right? Like, it's not like he can come back in uh-huh. July or August. Uh-huh. There's nothing to do. So, I think if I had to bet on it, I would say Clay plays, and I would say play Clay's regardless of the playoff picture. I think it's just to, so that he can get on the court for a few games and do his favorite thing which is to play basketball
1: yeah sure well and also to give hopefully the Warriors brass and front office a sense of how these pieces fit together you know because if he sits the entire year we go into next year still not knowing who D'Angelo Russell is on this team you know what who comes off the bench just all the rotations that we would need to know let me put a fine point on it let me ask a question to all of you guys everybody put on your Bob Myers mask for the purpose of this you guys are Bob Myers good news um and you have been informed that Clay would like to come back, but if he plays, he has a 30% chance of re-tearing the ACL and goes right back to day one, right? So, Clay is telling you he's healthy, he's willing to come back, but medical staff is warning you that it might not be the right time, again, 30% chance. What would you guys do? Would you allow him to play? No.
3: Hell no. There's Why? no. There's no stakes. I mean, this isn't game six of the NBA Finals, you know? The—, the, the the best-case scenario for this team, even with a healthy clay, is maybe make the Western Conference Finals. This team is not winning a title. Yep. I just don't I don't see that happening. And so when that's the reality of the situation, if you're just talking about winning a playoff series or two, it's not worth it. Like this whole season, at the end of the day, is transitional. Now, they're going to want to go as far as they can, but it's really all about next year and, and putting yourself in a position to contend next year. And so... There's literally no reason to risk anything at all.
4: And to be specific to this question, if it's Bob Myers, let's remember he was on the verge of tears when he had to talk about the Kevin Durant situation after he I saw tears, which is still weird. I, I mean, okay, so it's tears. All right, fair. <laughs> uh, if he does that, if he's put in another situation where he's allowed to make the call on Clay Thompson, yep. he is he's on this. He's very cautious. Cool. I mean, what we're, we're talking? You're, you asked a thirty percent. I would. I might even say no if, if Bob Myers was was asked 5%. Yeah. If he were told 5%. If there was any chance if at all. any
1: chance at all. Let me give you guys a counter perspective. Not one that I necessarily believe in, but it, it needs to be said. Um, so first, let me agree with you if they were staying in Oakland next year. They're staying in Oakland next year? 100%, no question at all. Clay does not play. It's a light years analysis. If, if what this team wants to do is win a championship, if really that's its goal, that's its main thing, they're not, just like you're saying, a championship contender, then why the hell would you waste any uh, chance of Clay getting re-injured. And under that analysis, you also uh, load manage the hell out of Steph. You make sure that Dre doesn't put on the kind of of minutes this year that you're going to require next year. You just dial it back, get a a draft pick, right? Move into next year and see where the hell you go. That's a light years move. But they're not saying in Oakland. You know, they are moving to a brand new multi-billion with a B dollar arena. They are charging season ticket holders, including Marcus and I, upwards of $800 a f***ing game to go. We have to pay $30,000 a beer, right? They do not get <laughs> to come out there and roll out a YMCA lineup. They don't. They cannot do that. You know, that so there's going to be there, there's a conflict that, right. that shouldn't be, but there is a weirdo conflict. They need to provide entertainment. This is a television show. They better have some of their actors out there for the people who have paid. So it's got to be a part of it. If I am Myers and my focus is light years, of course you guys are right. You know, I mean, that it, it is what it is. You've, you've got to protect him. But I don't know, man. If, if, if I am the person in charge of making sure asses are in the seats and Chase Center succeeds, I I might have something to say on the other side. But I think
5: Lacob's relationship with Clay at that point factors in too. Because he's, he's close enough to Clay that I don't think he would, I think he would take the Bob Myers approach and put person before business in this situation. I mean, Chase Center is making its money. It's already made its money. We've already given him that $30,000 for the beer. So uh, they're not gonna miss that, I think. At this point, the ownership shows that they put the people first and it, it looks better for that light years approach. I mean, it looks better to the Giannis and to the free agents that this organization is not going to put you in harm's way um, just to make you know more money in the back end.
0: For sure. I mean, uh, Bob Myers and Draymond Green went on the Woj pod this morning and over and over again, you heard Bob Myers saying exactly that. I care about the relationships at the end of the day, I'm going to be... I'm not going to be in this job anymore and I want to be able to call up whoever and say, hey, you want to get dinner? I'm in town. And it's really important to him that he can do that with a Clay Thompson, and think you add on top of it the benefit of potentially showing a Giannis Antetokounmpo that this is how we operate. Uh, it, it makes for a scene where uh, you want to be cautious with your players. However, I was thinking from the standpoint specifically of Clay, he's not one to handle the ball a ton. So if you're just if you're looking at risk mitigation, there's the potential for him to just be a like uh, you know a stand and shoot kind of player. And it's it's not super risky as long as you're not super worried about playing defense on the other end. Uh, you keep Steph on the point guard instead, for example, and have Clay's role on the defensive end be a little bit more reduced. Uh, I think, you know, just to play devil's advocate, I would totally also say no, but I do think that there's a chance that you could say, you know what, because Bob Myers, by the way, also said he works for the front office, right? So he works for Joe Lacob. He also works for the team. He works for the individual players and he also works for the fans. And I think that is a really important thing is that he wants to put on a good product for all of us as fans. And so I think there's some opportunity to say, okay, let's figure out, let's sit down with Steve Kerr, figure out how we can machinate to reduce the amount of risk that he can take, and we might be able to put him out there in a safe environment.
1: I, what you are saying offensively makes perfect sense to me. He doesn't go to the hole. He's not going to be in that entanglement of bodies. The chances of him tearing the ACL, doing that, is smaller. But... The defensive end, I heard you say, you'd, you'd ask him to, to you know, dial it back, but what he does, who he occupies on the defensive end for this team, I think it'd be pretty hard sure. to ask him to do that. I know what your guys' answers are, but let me just ask it as a, as a straightforward, all right? Let's add an, an additional fact to it. You're still Bob Myers, still a 30% chance, but now the Warriors are in the playoff chase. We are on the other side of the... All star break. The Warriors in fact are in the sixth seed, let's say. Um and so no question they are, you know, they should make the playoffs and with the inclusion of Clay suddenly become that much more of a dangerous team. In that event, would you let Clay play? Give me a yes or no.
4: Sixth seed? Mm-hmm. All right. I think at that point you have to really consider it because this team with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, Clay fills everything that they're missing right now on both ends of the court. Offensively he's a floor spacer obviously. Defensively he provides perimeter defense and if you look at the way the Western Conference is laid out right now in a playoff situation there's a lot of big twos and right now the Warriors have one good defender. So you need a second one if you're going to guard those big twos. I think you really have to consider it at that point if if based on what the season is and In your scenario, if they're in the sixth slot right now, that's still a pretty good team. And by the way, I do not think they'll be in the sixth slot at that point. I understand it's hypothetical. None of us do. It's it's just an entertaining question, Wes. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, Well, not entirely, because
1: it was supposed to be a one-word answer, you asshole, but I mean, that's fine.
3: (laughs) Yes. I'll say no. I'll still say no.
1: (laughs) That was meant as a joke, Wes. I want your full... Please, (laughs) like I said, you'll be shocked at how aggressive the show is. I actually loved the analysis. I'm backpedaling now. Um, I definitely... hear. I would say yes, by the way. Um, I feel like I would owe it. And it's the wrong call, objectively, of what I'm trying to do is get as many championships as I can. Um, I don't think a six seed... Of course, you're right. They wouldn't be a six seed. Chances are they're not going to be an eight seed. But um objectively they still wouldn't be a championship team um and I wouldn't want to take the risk but at that point then I'm gonna I I tumble down my chase center rabbit hole I start worrying about the season ticket holders and I would want them to have a playoff series and I'd want to cement it um so I'd say yes
5: the season ticket holders were there when we were terrible We were losing 60 games a season. But
1: those guys were not paying what the hell they're paying now. It's true. I used to get into those games for $10, Marcus, and I sat on the floor, on the floor. I got kicked out for sitting behind Manu Ginobili and calling him bald before anybody else even noticed that he was bald. It used to be an amazing (laughs) thing. They could do anything they wanted for those because we were paying nothing to be there.
5: I agree. I just think you have to give Warriors fans a little more credit. I mean, until they back away from the team like that, you have to assume that they'll stay. Um, but no, I don't. I don't play. I think you still hold them out. The the West is too deep this year. Even with a healthy Clay, it's still a problem for us to beat a really motivated Rockets team, healthy Clippers team, even Jazz. You know, is a, is a sleeper team. So I think it's. I think you wait a year and hopefully get Iggy back and just some other pieces and and go for it next year.
0: No. You want analysis? You're looking at me like you want analysis, but I thought it was a one-word answer. I was
1: looking at you as a man who understood the question. Nicely done, Maxine. (laughs) Meanwhile, I gave you like a 45-minute response that danced around nothing. So (laughs) I did the worst job on that last general Warriors question, and then we got some prediction stuff. The Warriors lost Alfonso McKinney this week to make room for Marquise Chris. A move that was fairly popular. Um, Everyone kind of fell in love with Chris. Yours uh, truly as well, but what I was wondering was, what was the environment um when the announcement of them losing McKinney went around the team? Was there anybody sad? I mean, how does that work? I've never been around a team when they lost a team member. Is it like a loss? Do they all understand it's a business? What happens in that? so it's it's it's
3: kind of an interesting dynamic. I mean, it's the type of situation where they let him know before practice that day, and so he's not at practice. Everyone sees that, and he's he's kind of in the process of gathering his things, almost like getting laid off at a job. You know, you're got ga- you're gathering your things and leaving. Um, and the way the the schedule works, there's not a lot of necessary, not a lot of overlap necessarily. But one thing that was interesting was that night we were interviewing Steph after the game, and he unprompted went out of his way to uh, talk about Alfonso and just how much that bummed him out, you know, because he came to represent, I think, for a lot of guys what the NBA should be about, right, which is about hard work, you know, believing in yourself, all, all that, all those good things. I mean, this is a guy who averaged eight points per game his senior year at Wisconsin Green Bay. I mean, he didn't go undrafted. By mistake, he didn't even have a draft party. Like he didn't get invited to the combine. He did zero workouts for teams. He was on zero radars. Had no business getting drafted, and then goes to Luxembourg second division, Mexico. We all know the story, and and is not only playing for the Warriors, but in the rotation for a team in the finals. I mean, that's a pretty incredible story so i think for all the other guys on the team that really resonates with them and he's also just a really genuine good dude and so i think it really uh, bothered them but the reality of the situation is i think they also knew it was coming for a good week plus i mean everyone knew mark chris, chris was making the roster and there was really not a lot of other op- not a lot of other options for the warriors obviously Alfonso was their only non-guaranteed deal so mm-hmm.
1: This is somewhat conversational whiplash. I wish I'd asked it to you earlier. What was your perception of the Warriors coming in? So, I mean, the, we're in a, in a weird kind of transitionary stage, right? If, if you'd come in last year, I would have known exactly what you said. World beaters, you know, they're expected champions. This year, before you started the beat, what was your view of the team? What were your expectations? How did you know? How'd you view it? About the same. Um, I think the defense
4: was going to be really bad. Yep. Uh, it was going to be all on Steph, uh, and it was going to be a fringe playoff team at best. And I thought that the concerns about D'Angelo Russell fitting in with Steph and the team overall were overstated and a little bit too much of people thinking a little too hard when there was no basketball on TV. (laughs) Um, And that was sort of my impression. But I had been around the team a little bit for a couple of years. So I kind of, you know, I I had some interactions with Steve Kerr and some of the players that are still here. And uh, so from that perspective, and nothing was shocking or surprising. Um, I would say that I'm a little bit lower after watching the preseason, but that might just be a function of the fact that they had a losing record in the preseason. And Draymond Green came out today and said he wasn't even playing that hard. So <laughs> I was like, well, it looked and like it. Was it obvious. So yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as McKinney goes, I think it means something that he was picked up by the Cavaliers almost immediately. Yep. And it's not that he was a bad player, and it's it, he just didn't fit what the Warriors needed right now. The Warriors obviously needed a big man, so you get Chris. But they also didn't really need somebody that hustles really hard and offensive rebounds a bunch. Right, also, that's what they needed last year they also, when they had yeah. a, a bunch of superstars on the team who didn't want to do that. Right, and that's when you need a guy like that to set that tone and do the do the dirty work. And they didn't need anybody to do the dirty work because they have a whole lot of players right now who are going to do the dirty work. Right. So McKinney became a little bit redundant in that sense. He wasn't. He's not a good perimeter defender. Casualty he, of circumstance, kind of thing. Exactly. And so you put him on the Cavs, who could really use a player like that. Mm-hmm. They think, or at least a player with. NBA Finals experience, yeah, that's good for them. And so I think he'll probably carve out a career in the league, and I think players know that, the the Warriors players knew that, and and understood that, yeah, it's it's sad to see this guy go who played a part on the team, but we're happy that he got a job almost immediately and uh, will probably be in the league for a few more years.
3: He's also 27 years old, and how old is Marcus Chris? He's right in his prime. Marcus Chris is 22 years old, so... The reality is, the Warriors are are trying to stockpile assets. They're trying to stockpile young prospects who they can groom maybe into being building blocks. And Marquise Chris is that, and twenty seven is not old in the real world, but in NBA world as a as a developmental project, which I still think in some ways Marquise or Alphonso McKinney is because he's still pretty raw in a lot of aspects of his game, other than the rebounding. Uh, you gotta, you gotta take Marcus Chris. That's why I
5: hope the Cavs are not just trolling the Warriors again. Like they grabbed McCaw and did that whole dance right. with us. And Ridiculous! Are they taking McKinney now and don't plan to play him? Like, Absolutely. I just hope as a journeyman and as he's, you know, he deserves to be in a place where he'll get. A I big looked at their shot.
3: depth chart after they picked him up. <laughs> he'll play. They yeah. he'll <laughs> play. <Yeah. laughs> he'll go right behind uh, Osman. They have no small
1: forwards. They, um, they, they have, yeah.
3: have uh, Seti Osman yeah. yeah. and he's literally good.
1: that's it. Yeah. It's, yeah, no, he'll be right behind him. Um, that, he's going to be the primary back. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Also, from the Warriors, I mean, from the moment that Chris signed, all the centers like started dying. You know, like everyone started getting hurt over and over again. So I mean, they literally could not have been more thin. Mm-hmm. Everything had to have happened exactly as it happened for Chris to be on the team and, and Zoda no longer be on it. It is what it is, right? I mean, it's yeah. that's part of this in particular profession. Are you
0: implying that Marquise Chris is responsible for all the injuries on the other side of I felt of like the that's history. what
1: I was just saying. I, I didn't mean to just imply. No, that is not what I'm saying. I know nothing about it, nor do I know the profession of the woman who is with Money Mayweather <laughs> on the night of October 15th at about 2.34 a.m. <laughs> no idea who that could have been. Gentlemen, let's drop some predictions. Wes, good news, we are like every other show, we drop predictions constantly. Mm bad news good news I'm not sure our distinction is we actually hold ourselves accountable we've got a man named Maddie Stats who just last week filled this role for us but he is out there as I speak writing down everything it is that we are predicting is his last name really Stats? I, apparently what I can tell you is that Why? he has a assistant when we called him last week who picked up the phone saying Maddie Stats' office so you know, whether or not it's his last name I can't tell you yeah, yeah. Factually accurate, and Connor, thanks for listening, you bastard. <laughs> but and in related news. Uh Matty Stats will run down each one of the guesses we're getting ready to drop and will ultimately give us a percentage. So be as accurate as you can be because we will be judged towards the end of the year. Some good news, kind of. I tried to even out the playing field. Wes, you obviously know your basketball, but you're at a little bit of a disadvantage because Connor has been covering the team for a few years. So to help even that playing field, the predictions I have for you guys have all been taken. From an article that you wrote, big man. And that article is called The Biggest Questions. Facing the Warriors this season. Um, We'll be going through them and featuring some of your work. So uh, with that in mind, let's jump in. Here is our first big question. Facing the Warriors, how many points will Steph Curry score per game? West writes, quote, There's no reason to think Curry won't average at least 30 points per game this season. He averaged 27.3. Last year with Durant and a healthy Thompson. Without Durant and Thompson and with Draymond Green on the floor... Curry averaged 41 points per 36 possessions. If his preseason outburst of 40 points and 25 is any indication, this is the most runway Curry has ever had while in his prime. The scoring title could again be in play. Here are my questions for you boys. Here's the first. It's an over-under. Over-under on Steph's points per game this year. 30. What do you guys take? Over. Way over.
3: The number should have been like 33.
1: Let's make it 35. Ooh, ooh,
3: that's a better one. Yeah,
4: <laughs> under thirty-four point six. Wow. Matty. <laughs> <laughs> write it down. I'm he gonna, likes I'm Mr. Stats, say but that's Mr. Stats. Over, I, I
3: legit think he might average like thirty-six a game. I'm going to Harden,
4: Harden. averaged. I wrote it down thirty-six point one or something um, yeah, like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it that's, was. Was. Really, that's really. That's really.
3: They're going to need him to average that for them to, you know, mean be more than an
1: eight. I'm going to say under thirty. Under 30, I'm going to say under 30, all right? I think that this team is going to run into problems pretty early. I think that Steph's minutes are going to be reduced pretty early, and with those minutes go his points. I'll take under. I'm taking under as well. I think 29.
0: Oh, we're talking about 30 is the line? We can go no, over. No, okay. No, I'm so I'll, – I'll go over. Yeah, I'll go over on 30, but definitely under on 35. If it's
3: under 30, then that's bad news for the
1: Warriors. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really yes, bad Yes, it is. Who, gentlemen, wins the scoring title this year?
4: Giannis
3: I think Steph
5: I'll go Giannis as well Scoring title of Harden
0: Interesting Really even He's with, in love with Harden He's been talking right. about okay, Houston yeah, nonstop during the I'm preseason. not going to get to do the no, no, no follow-ups dude. I don't hear He's like that.
1: He's the new Scott with Washington He's like Mr. Houston now
0: I'm very high on Giannis I haven't been for a while I think he repeats As MVP um, yep. And I think scoring title is, is for sure Not out of the realm Of probability He,
4: he could do all three with the defensive yeah, player of the year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be insane. And it's completely in the wheelhouse. Did form. you say defensive player of the year? Yeah, he could win defensive player of the year.
1: Were we talking about Steph Curry?
4: No, no, Giannis. <laughs> oh, I was Bro, like, he, oh I've, my God. We were talking about Giannis. Yeah, I was like, I totally got Have thrown up there. Have like, you seen Steph play post defense? That's exactly right. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, Wes is
1: bringing knowledge
0: to the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. My, <laughs> my early
3: DPOY though, is is definitely
1: it's the Russell. Oh, <laughs> okay.
0: Wow, jeez. <laughs>
4: Breaking news!
1: <laughs> getting this back on track. Wingspan. Here's another question. Huge over under on games played by Steph Curry. Seventy two. That's a really good line to set that at. Nice push. Seventy two on the dot. On the dot. The cop out,
4: bro. It's That's not, a, it's, a, it's actually the answer. Yeah, cop out. he's, he's out. yeah, he's getting I no no really <laughs> yeah, It's a very <laughs> narrow window. I think he misses exactly ten games. Here we go, Connor.
3: Um, I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to say over. I'm going to say he plays more. Um, he's in a really good place mentally and physically right now, and I think he's, he's let his body rest enough. He, he told me he didn't start practicing again until late July. Um, he kind of pushes it back a little bit more every year, and they need him to play as many games as possible, so it's not going to be like past years where they'll rest him Even under the most, you know, lame of circumstances, it's not. They won't. They're not going to arrest him just for the sake of arresting him. And also, there if he tweaks his, you know, pinky in practice, they're not going to sit him. So uh, I'm going to say he plays over that.
1: I'm locked into a pessimistic outlook, which I'm not very happy about. With that pessimistic outlook and what I just told you about his points per game, I got to take the under. Um, and you just basically told me why. You know what I think is we're going to reach a point where if Steph's tummy hurts a little bit, we're talking about a month absence. You know we are saving him and not allowing him to use some of his career odometer minutes to wind down during a season that might not end up with a championship. Mt.
5: Um, agreeing with you again, I think under under seventy two. I think he gets hurt, he rolls an ankle a couple times and they just save it and they, they chalk up the season at some point.
3: Someone's on green with brown. <laughs> Did I
5: you don't... want
1: to say anything nice about Houston before we move on? <laughs> <laughs> Maxine?
0: So this is, I just want to put for the record, this is precisely the example of where last year I would have said the opposite of what I'm about to say, just to sort of excite conversation. 25%. And so let's uh, bullshit. I'm off this year. You're going to find out how I really feel about it, even if it means I'm agreeing with Bram all the damn time. Let's go. Um, the reason that I did not pick Steph for my fantasy team is precisely because I am concerned about him missing significant time. So I'm taking the under on 72.
1: Our last question about Steph goes only to you, Wes. Let me give you his stats before I give you the question. Steph stands at 6'3", 189 pounds. The question is this. Could you beat him in a fistfight? fight? No. For sure. Definitely not. So I, I had this this argument in a bar with a friend of mine. Right. Um, and he was constantly telling me, look, he's too small. My, my friend's a little bit taller. He's like 6'5". Too small. He's not that strong. I think I could take him. And I said, "Bullshit." Oh, we're talking about the most competitive person on earth and probably somebody who's like sneaky strong. Right. Help my argument. Why not? Why could he beat you in a fight?
4: I'm a 5'9 Jewish guy from Broward <laughs> County, Florida. <laughs> I would diffuse the situation with sarcasm and humor and hope he doesn't punch me in the face. You and I need to fight. This is so
1: we would just have a sarcasm off. You know, like there would yes. be no punches thrown. Nope. It'd be a lot of polite, not even real insults. I'm so sorry, maybe. Right.
5: Do you have time for a fight? No.
1: All no. right. <laughs> oh, God, I wish people would just ask me that instead of trying to fight. It'd be a hell of easier. If you had to fight someone in the NBA, but you got to pick who they were, who would it be?
5: So I'm assistant coach. That is way too much. No, up. player. I want a player. Oh. Pastor
1: Present. Pastor Present. Is there anybody you can think like Mark Madsen? Is there anybody out there you feel like you can? Rondo. <laughs> oh man, oh, wow. I feel like going to be wire. No. Let's go. No way. Let's is go. Is that just
4: because
0: you have legit rage for him? Yes. No. Only
4: player in the league I don't like. Going back to that question, do I cheer for players? Yes. Do I actively cheer against them? Rajon Rondo. Let's go. Do I
1: fight players? Rajon Rondo. <laughs> yes. Exactly right. Let's move on to our next segment from Wes's article. The second biggest question facing the Warriors is, will Draymond Green score more? Wes writes, quote, Green almost stopped shooting altogether last season. Averaging 6.4 shot attempts per game is 422 attempts all season were the lowest since his rookie year. For reference, that's how many threes Lakers forward Kyle Kuzma took last year, which leads to this. Over, under, gentlemen, points per game for Draymond Green next year, 14. Under.
3: I'm going to say under as well, which is a bad sign for the Warriors. I, I, I don't, I don't, I think he's a guy. I was saying this last night to someone. I feel like he's a guy was who – <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> He'll never know. He wouldn't tell him who he was. You know, he, he asked him like 50 times and right never up. got the response, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: if you don't want to talk about that, what about Draymond's point? Yeah, 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 exactly. Right.
1: <laughs> but I'm going to need your name to attribute you for the article, so at least keep that in mind. <laughs>
3: No, he, he's a <laughs> I feel like he's a guy who, who is at his best when he's surrounded by greatness. I mean, I think he's a guy who if he had happened to get drafted by the Pistons or, you know, the the Hornets or something, he he would not be the player that we know today. He definitely wouldn't be an all star. He might not even be in the league right now. I mean he's he's just someone who needs to be surrounded by people who are in the right place at the right time. And there's going to be a lot of chaos chaos this season. There's going to be a lot of guys in the wrong place. There's going to be a lot of guys not knowing what they're doing. I think he's going to get really frustrated. I think he's going to have a hard time handling that. I think he's going to unleash at times. And I think at some point, if they're actually out of the playoff picture, he's going to just start phoning it in. Because he's a guy who needs stakes. He just needs them.
1: I think one of, we talked a little bit about this on a prior show, but one of the interesting unintended downsides of losing smart players like Livingston and Iguodala and Durant is that it inadvertently takes down Draymond's game. I mean, what what Draymond is is a phenomenally intelligent player, and he uses that intelligence on the floor constantly to gain advantages. But you need if not equally smart, intelligent people, people who need the system in order to take advantage of that intelligence. When Draymond is threading a pass to meet somebody with the ball where they're supposed to be, that person needs to know where they are supposed to be. When Draymond is hedging defensive uh, sets to, to start the defense in a way that's supposed to be started, the rest of the people need to follow that quarterback move. If they don't have that knowledge or intelligence, he becomes an undersized power forward. You know, and, and we lose a lot of the intangibles that only he can bring. And we saw some of that during the preseason.
5: I agree. I think I would change intelligence for experience in that analogy, and I think you're spot on. I just think they don't know what they don't know yet. The players are too young. Like they're all rookies and you should know, have gone like, to the
1: Jenna Jackson concert. Exactly.
5: Um, so but I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna there. go slightly above for, like if fourteen is the The line I'm gonna go 14.7. It's gonna be a 14, so just slightly above. I think, you know, Steph already came out and said we need Draymond to shoot more. So if he has that green light, he's gonna have to start hitting that top three. I think, you know, he still has a few three to four buckets per game where he just out hustles the other team back down the floor and and gets those sneaky baskets. So I think just over 14.
1: I need something optimistic, and I also realize I didn't answer the question. I hate agreeing with you, so i'll still do it i'll say over maxine under um over under on draymond green's three-point percentage last year for a point of reference 28.5 i put the number this year at 31 percent. boys over under Mm.
4: under i think that those two years where he was a good three-point shooter were admiration aberration
3: Admir- admiration. They were admirably. Admirable. They were an admirable admiration.
4: That's exactly, exactly right.
1: <laughs> 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 the appropriate response to Connor there is go f*** yeah. yourself. <laughs> All right. Do you like are you a writer? Or something? Yeah. Um,
4: <laughs> I think no. I, he his form's not good. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a, the Ben Simmons thing going, where he just doesn't really super want to take them in the first place, which is why his favorite thing is to his second favorite thing is to pass up wide-open threes to players who are sem- semi-covered. His favorite thing is to be right at the rim with a wide-open layup and then kick out to a shooter in the corner. He's going to do a whole lot of both of those things, and that's why I have the under yep. on point totals, yep. and I also have the under on the three-point percentage. Yep. I'm going to
3: say over, um, and the the reason why is he's, he's weird in that historically speaking he's been better when he has a, a guy close in on him than when he's wide open. Right um he needs that like i was saying earlier he needs stakes Stakes. he needs Mm -hmm. the pressure if he has a hand in his face he's more apt to hit it than if no one's within six feet of him because his form gets complacent um and he he practices that three all the time Hmm. like i've talked to his trainer he he shoots so many threes after every single game every three he shoots his trainer uh sends him video of each three and they go over it and and i actually i think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder this year when it comes to that stuff so um i'm going to say both.
1: you've changed my answer the last 10 seconds of your response changed mine i'll say over just
4: bet that if it means that much to him you're, and
1: he's improved everything else
4: you're betting on one out of 3 and i'm i think he'll do one out of 4 yeah. and that's really what we're talking about here yeah. but it's yeah. like baseball yeah But that's interesting. That's
0: interesting. That's your rationale for taking the over here, but you're still taking the under on 14 points per game. Because I was almost, I was almost, I was flip flopping between over and under on 14 points per game specifically because I I know he's he's analyzing. Yeah, you're
3: right. Uh, If he, but here's the thing: we're talking about a percentage. We're not talking about how many shots he's taking.
0: Very true.
3: So.
5: Only Maddie Stats knows how to solve this one. Oh, I'm 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 well, pretty
1: sure that if he hits a higher percentage of shots, there's a better chance he scores more points. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. My last name doesn't need to be Stats in order to figure that. And portion he'll probably out, be but... more
4: willing to take that shot in the first place. Yeah. you should probably take both over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, your appropriate response, Connor, is go for <laughs> yourself, Marcus. That leaves you.
5: Um, I'm gonna go over. I think to Wes's point, it's the. It comes down to one out of three or one out of four, and I think he does one out of three. Um, Draymond's always stepped up when he needs to and and kind of been better than what people think he can be. Um, And he needs to do that. When he's going to the hole, instead of kicking it to the corner, he can't kick it to Jordan Poole and Omari Spellman every time. So he's going to take that shot, score over 14, and hit about over 3.1.
1: Speaking of the best person that Draymond Green can be, our final over-under involving this player, gentlemen, how many players will Draymond Green publicly call a bitch next year? I put the number at one. Over under. Who's the one? Anyone you want, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Bondo. Anyone we find. Yeah. <laughs> he hates wrong. Best Ron though, answer bro. on the pod. That's it. We can shut her down. Is- funniest response today. <laughs> He hates Ronda. <laughs> really don't like him. Will we have anything? Does anyone believe that there will be another public spat? Draymond just literally came out today as part of an interview with Rachel Nichols and apologized and said they realized he made a mistake with KD. So it he also, seems like, like
3: contradicted himself a thousand like, times. The thing that I love about Draymond <laughs> is every time he like makes a like a concession or apologizes or what have you. He contradicts himself about three times you in love the process. That? It's just I, I've come to appreciate that aspect of who he is. It's just. Yeah, it's like you answering over-under. <laughs>
1: Wes is on fire, man. He's a fourth quarter player, apparently. Um 16 I, game player. I'm, I'm going to take a push. I think we are going to. I might not be bitch, but I think there's going to be some public spat. I think it's going to be a teammate again. I think it's going to fit 100% into. 100% over me. Yeah, yeah. okay. Why? Okay, wait, wait. Where were you with that five seconds ago? Well, you, you skipped over me. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody skipped. No one was talking. You're arguing you were,
3: you were with Wes. Go ahead. Why? He, he's 100% going to be over that because he's Dream 1 f- green. I mean,. <laughs>
1: Best Do I, need, do Sorry, I need another answer? Yeah, Sorry, <laughs> last day. I'm gonna
4: go. I'm actually gonna take the under here. I think in in his interviews he does seem to be a little bit more cautious, slow to answer, thoughtful. If, if you can like see the gears working before he talks, and I don't feel like that was the case the last couple of years. I think he's rebranding himself in the wake of Kevin Durant leaving, and so I'm gonna take the under, not because he doesn't want to call anybody a bitch but because he just simply will not in a public setting. You don't game.
1: think it's circumstance? For example, if magically instead of just having a direct path to KD in that Clippers game, there is a pause, there's a pause, there's a pause. Rachel Nichols comes out, pulls out a camera, sits him down and says, do you think Kevin Durant's a bitch? Do you think there's any way he would have said yes there? Like last no way, year, right? yeah. You think, so. No, there's no <laughs> way. There's no way. He's a guy, who, I mean, he's, he's fiery. He comes off the cuff, right? The yeah. same reason that makes him... Be able to guard every position at a remarkably small size also leads to him being a little fiery off the lines and saying things that he doesn't necessarily mean. What,
3: well, let me ask Wes a question real quick. The the biggest reason why you think the Warriors aren't going to make the playoffs, just from someone who's been around, you know, the team and you a lot, I'm guessing, is because you've seen Draymond kind of already acquiescing, right? Yes. Yeah it's the it's the ultimate barometer. Draymond, we can tell being around him, he's already punting. Like, he already knows they're f***ed. Yes. (laughs) Like, he already knows that it's game over. Like, you can see it in his eyes, right? And that is the biggest reason why I don't blame anyone saying they're not going to make the playoffs. Because I'm like, if Draymond is giving up. But if he's
4: already already giving up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Then he's not going to call anybody a bitch in public because he's already given up. Like he's just- no,
3: and I, I agree with you.
4: Well, you go Well,
3: it could go one of two ways. Thank you
1: for joining the Flip Flop Pod. It's uh, it's a great day here. <laughs> go ahead, back to you guys. You
3: go one of two ways. Either is pissed funny. off about yeah. That's it. That's how overunders work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's either pissed off about it or he's acquiescing.
1: I will say that from a public perspective, having not visited the practices, his public persona has also changed. They asked him during media day, "Is this team still a championship contender?" And he answered the question with a question. Is Steph still on the team? You know, and the the obvious implication was yes, of course. Now, when they're talking to him about it, you are not hearing those platitudes. What you're hearing is, ah, young guys, mm-hmm. we need to develop. And it, it's almost as if he spent a couple of days in training camp, saw these dudes, and was like, yep. Oh, that's a- hope that, That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I
3: wrote about that. Like he literally, you could tell a difference in him on day two of training camp. It was like, yeah, and I and I felt that as the beat writer, like. It's one thing to to see names on paper and just be like, "Look, they still have four all stars." When Clay comes back, they have four all stars. So sort of I was going high. on. I yeah, was going. Asterisk, yeah, yeah I was going on radio interviews, being like, "Oh, it's ridiculous that people would say they'd miss the playoffs." And then I walked in, like first day of training camp, and I looked around. And I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who the okay. hell are these guys? Who the hell are these guys? Yeah. If the they Did you need ask, Amari Spellman to be a factor then?" Yeah, it might be a problem. You know, that's <laughs> yes. that's just not, you know, going to bode well.
1: This turns sad quickly. Let's hit a, uh, one more question. In fact, I have two and three predictions left. Here is the overarching question. Wes asks, who guards? LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, et cetera, and writes... There are no good answers here. In the preseason, Pascal and Alfonso McKinney saw time on James, and only one of those players is still with Golden State. Glenda Robinson, the third, who won the starting small forward job, will draw the straw. Here are the questions. Over, under on points allowed per game, gentlemen 115. Ooh. For point of reference, they allowed 111 last year and 108 collectively over the last three years.
4: Points per game or defensive ratings? Uh, points per game oh I have to do because that's harder that's harder to gauge yeah I'm going to say defensive rating which is not really answering your question I guess not really really just not at all not at all (laughs) Uh, different stat (laughs) different answer uh 111.2 111.2 that,
1: that is how we points gauge per defense. 100 possessions. That's, that's, I don't think my question was, how do you gauge defense? But, I mean, but that's also like phenomenal. What's your favorite color as well? You bastards. <laughs> yeah, it's only because I don't understand defensive rating that I'm getting defensive here. Right. You just explained it and I still don't get it. You can see the sweat coming down from my brow now. But take it either way you want. Give me... so
3: I. How many teams gave up over 115 last year? I want that point of reference. Almost none.
1: Um, I think the most was like 115, but I don't have it in front. Of. What did you say
3: the Warriors gave up last year? Last year they gave up 111.
1: So it'll be more they're,
3: they're not going to have the worst team in the league. I mean, I would say under for sure. Because I, I think they're they're probably going to give up 112, 113, which would probably put them in like 20 yep. range. You know, out of 30 teams, that's probably where they're at. I
4: think there's no way they have a top 20 defense this year. It's virtually impossible.
1: I mean, 115 points seems like so... Much, but maybe the pace of the game has already. The Warriors is, are always going to give that up so more fast, points because they I, have such a
4: fast offense. Right? Yeah, I think it'd be. Right. I think it's going to be right around 150. Yeah.
1: I mean, here let's let's. Um, I'll take your suggestion, Wes, and let's do it this way. Bang the points per game. Let's make it um, the overall defense. Right? The over under on where they will place in in um, defensive rating amongst the league. So, so 20. Yeah, let's. I mean, I think that's a little high. I think we'd all take the under on that for sure, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll put it at 25 will they be under 25, worse than the 25th worst defense in the league next year.
3: I'll say I'll say over. I said be, between 20 and 25. Yeah,
1: I'll say they're 26. Under. Uh I'll say better, over. They're not that bad. Yeah, I
5: say over too, but just barely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go through it right now. There's I some s- really bad teams in the that's league. That's exactly what I was about to yeah. say. I don't Are they, go though? it, but like Yeah. Yeah, Charlotte. Okay. Cleveland.
4: Yes. Ah. Uh, Phoenix.
0: Phoenix
3: well, they're not defense. as fast. Defensively. They're and they're going fast. They, they had the worst defense in the league two they, years ago. Two years ago.
4: Uh, well, of
1: all time, I mean.
0: Yeah, Phoenix is... Mm, they're not going to be terrible. Though. They're going to be right gonna, there with... Yeah, it's going to be like neck and neck with the they've Warriors. Got a, they've
1: got one of the only rim protectors left who just got a little bit older and better in, in Nate. Chicago. They're going to have a decent
4: defense. Yeah. Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr. Done. Somebody Martin. else Jr.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah.
4: The Kings probably Tomas Tomas It might.
0: It might be. It's... Like, it might be 25, dead on.
1: Are you taking the push?
4: Sure, I'll Bo- do it. Yeah, lock
0: myself in. 25%? <laughs>
1: Here's our final question. It comes from both me and from Wes. The question is this. Will the Warriors make the playoffs? Wes writes, the eighth seed in the West last season, the Clippers won 48 games, but the ninth place team, the Kings, won 39 games, meaning that 40 wins or more would have been enough to make the playoffs. So in the five previous seasons, the final seed in the playoffs won 47, 41, 41, 45, and 49 games, an average of 45.2 wins. It'll take something around there to make the playoffs this season, boys. I'm a good writer. Will they make the playoffs?
4: <laughs> no. I hedged completely on that article that was published on the internet, um, but I don't care that much that Mr. Stats is listening, so I'm just going to go out and, on a limb and say, no, they don't make the playoffs.
1: Maddie, go ahead and All the rest of his answers. I heard it too, buddy. I heard it too, and I was willing to.
0: That's factually accurate. (laughs) You don't care now, but this time next year. I'm toying with calling
1: Maxime 25% from here on out. (laughs) So, I mean, just like really, you think it doesn't matter, but it kind of does. What do you think?
3: Yeah, they'll make the
0: playoffs. I'll say over.
5: I'm going to go last. What do you think? Yes, they make the playoffs. Mm,
0: No, I do not think they make the playoffs.
1: I'm saying yes, they will make the playoffs, which I'm sure Wes is getting ready to point out is completely not in line with any of the answers I've given you guys. But if I am going to be the unabashed homer on this show, then I'm allowed to say things that do not make any sense. Also, uh, I do care, unfortunately, about Matty Stats. This is me hedging. One of these things has to be right. So they call this a hedge. Huge fun, boys. Love doing this show. True every week. Certainly true this week. Far more importantly, let's take them in turn and start with you, Wes. Really appreciated having you, man. Um, phenomenal addition. Really looking forward to reading you this year. We are absolutely lucky to have you covering this team. I am equally positive. I'm not the only one out there thinking it. So for people who need more West in their life, where should they turn?
4: The newspapers. Um, you can find me printed in the San Jose Mercury News or the East Bay Times. And in the rare chance you don't read a newspaper, you can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg.
1: Tell us about the podcast.
4: Uh, Locked on NBA, I host every Tuesday morning We record it before then It's a 30 minute show breaking down everything that happened in the NBA The night before and any big storylines And news, so check that out And check it out for the rest of the week too Because it's a really good show It's your, it's good for a morning commute, yep. so it's
1: perfect for that I can attest to that, it is great stuff Connor, where are you at?
3: Uh, sfchronicle.com Backslash warriors On twitter at con underscore cron And then I have my own podcast Warriors Off Court
1: You guys know where to find us, all the usual spots. You want to let us know that the show was terrible, that my questions sucked, that the over-unders could have been better done. Any complaints, any uh, criticisms, even compliments, they can be shot to warriorshuddle at gmail.com. If you want us up on Twitter, we are at Warriors Huddle. We are still on Patreon where we cannot tell you how much we appreciate your support. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you next week.
5: Good, good.